Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today, we're talking about processing grief and cultivating hope while facing deep disappointment, fear, stigma, and pain. Sharonda Ford, licensed clinical mental health counselor, author, speaker, and creator of the podcast, That Infertility Chick, is joining us to walk through the process of nurturing hope while navigating difficult and real-life challenges. Thank you for being with us, Sharonda. We're so grateful to have you. Before we get started, please feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you, Amy, so much for having me. What a joy it is to be here today. As you mentioned, I am Sharonda Ford, licensed clinical mental health counselor. I am a nationally board certified counselor and psychotherapist. I am a native New Jersey born a uh, woman, and I reside in Charlotte, North Carolina. That is my roots from my roots to where I am. I am first and foremost a Christian. I am a God's girl. I am a um, kingdom-driven woman, and I love the Lord Jesus. That's who I am first and foremost. Secondly, I am a wife to my incredible husband, Kyrie Ford, and I am a hope dispenser. I am a family girl. I love, love, love my siblings, my sisters, my brother, my sisters from the mister, as I call it, the sisters that God has given me, cousins and nieces, godchildren. Yes, I am the founder and host of That Infertility Chick podcast and That Infertility Chick. That's who I am. And so I am proud to be a foster mom, I guess like retired foster mom, because my foster daughter is grown, grown, grown. And a lot of people don't know that about me, that I had a foster child 20 years ago, actually 20 years ago this year, who's now grown up. And I am a hope dispenser. I don't know if I meant, I said that, but my goal and mission in life is to dispense hope. And for me, hope is help overcoming powerful emotions. So I'm so excited to join you today. That is so wonderful. And we're so excited to talk with you today. As we were talking about the last time we got together, stigma is a really important conversation for the both of us and for so many other people too uh, with their different life experiences. Stigma can be a really heavy cloud that hovers over our lives and keeps us from speaking up when we need help the most. We both know this. And even worse, Stigma can live within ourselves and perpetuate feelings of inadequacy, shame, and fear. It can impact our overall health, the quality of our relationships with ourselves and others, our sense of self-worth, our ability to be our true selves, and even how we view the world. Stigma has had a huge impact in my life, as well as yours and the lives of so many others, which is why I'm so grateful for this opportunity to talk with you today and to learn more about how we can cultivate hope in healing. Since stigma can run deep and impact many areas of our lives, how has stigma impacted you in your life 
And what are some of the ways that you've seen that stigma can manifest itself in our lives? That's a great question. Um, Because when we hear the word stigma, I think we kind of compartmentalize it to one thing. But stigma can, stigmas are placed in so many different areas. And for me, I think I've experienced multiple stigmas. I've experienced the stigmas of being a woman. I've experienced them as an African-American or a Black girl. I've experienced them as not being a mother. And so I'm no stranger to stigma. I'm no stranger to being stigmatized. I'm no stranger to having people look at me differently or looking at me in earlier times causing me or what I thought was causing me to feel or be inadequate. So I think stigma, or I I really, I know that having stigmas and being looked at differently has robbed me of opportunities, has paralyzed me at times when I wanted to pursue something. It has crippled me and debilitated me in different areas and in different seasons of my life. I think if I look at the stigma of being a woman, there were times when I was looked at as someone who could not do something because I'm a woman or you can't do that. She's a female, even going down to buying my first home. So talking to the elders in my family, when I talked about buying a home, they were like, you're not going to do that. You're single. Or because my grandmother couldn't buy a home in her name in the time that she did. So she had to have someone else. So even that stigma that it could have stopped me because they talked to me as if it was something I couldn't do. But in that particular case, I kept going. And that is not always the case. As a African-American, as a Black girl, I think there have been stigmas placed on me in the workplace for opportunities. And prior to this life as a psychotherapist, I spent 20 years in human resources and management. And I experienced so many different stigmas against me in different areas in that area as well in in that profession. And then with infertility, I think there are so many stigmas placed on women who have not given birth to children, whether they do it by choice or by force. There's that stigma that as a woman, without a child that you don't have value. Somehow we as a society, as a whole, as a world have decided that motherhood gives women value. And I think that because that stigma has been placed on me, that I'm somehow defective because I was not able to have a child, it has silenced me in certain conversations. One of the things that I found for myself and my family, there's a lot of mental health and physical health issues that run deep uh, throughout my family. And one of the things that I've realized is it sounds so simple and each person is at a different place in their life. And so this doesn't always work for everybody, but kind of breaking the silence, speaking of recognizing how you feel and how you're internalizing it and what's happening in the right way and in the right time speaking that, breaking that silence and kind of breaking that that burden or that hold that it has on you is really like a very powerful first step to change the trajectory of your life and what's happening and how this is having a hold on you. Mm-hmm. It's so layered and it's not simplistic, but that's one of the first things 
that has really helped me in my journey to healing and not to kind of stay to stay in that place of burden and in pain and in shame. So I really applaud you and appreciate you sharing what your experience has been and then what you're doing to help break that stigma for others so that they don't have to live, uh, that they know they don't have to live under that burden and we can bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Just navigating pain and disappointment a stro- associated with loss or struggling to put the pieces of our lives back together after breathtaking trauma can be really overwhelming, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So what's important for people to know when they're recognizing and processing emotions like grief, fear, rejection, and shame? Indeed, Amy, you're right. It is, it can be overwhelming. I think the most important thing that for people to know, and you will hear me say this a lot, is you have value regardless, right? You have value regardless. It does not matter what your trauma was or what pain or what your past or what your family or what you've experienced. You have value regardless. The next thing is that you are not alone. Oftentimes we feel that we're somehow the only one that has experienced the level of trauma we have. We It falls on two spectrums. It's either you feel like your trauma isn't big enough right? Because you're looking at the trauma of someone else and you're feeling like this can't be trauma. This is just a bad break. And so it goes silenced or unnoticed or unattended or unmeasured. But you are not alone that whether your trauma is a house fire and my trauma is infertility or your trauma is a car accident and my trauma is I stumped my toe in the middle of the night on the bed. I am not alone. There are people who are suffering just like I am. So you do not have to stay in the place that you're in. Additionally, your life matters. Oftentimes people, when they experience trauma, they feel isolated because trauma can be isolating. And then you feel like you don't have value, which makes you feel like your life doesn't matter. And then you are not defined by the situations that you've been in. You're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your trauma. You're not defined by your family. And you are not defined by how other people label you. When you've experienced trauma, whether it's physical disability, emotional disability, or or mental disability, oftentimes those stigmas and labels are placed on people and that can be traumatic. So remembering and telling people, getting people to know that they are not defined by their circumstance, by their past, or by the opinion of others. That's everything. My soul rejoices when I'm listening to you because it's everything. It really is. It's everything. And I so appreciate you for pointing out the fact that sometimes one of the things that keep us from really speaking up and recognizing what we're going through is is because we're minimizing it. Mm -hmm. And that is really not the place to be when you want to heal when you want to grow, when you want to be able to have empathy for others, Mm -hmm. when you want to be able to deepen your relationship. Mm -hmm. That's just not the place that you want to come from. You want to recognize what you're going through, honor and respect what you're going through, and work through the healing process. Don't hang on to it because you're labeling it as small. You know, work, honor it. This is difficult. And 
move through that. Don't hang on to the trauma. So I think that's so important that you're recognizing that for people and really inviting them. I want to say something there with honoring it. I think that's a very essential point that you've made is that oftentimes, and we see this from childhood, if if you think of the very time or for me watching my nieces or nephews fall or even my siblings who are younger or any child, as soon as they fall, the first thing you say, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And so we condition children to feel or believe they're okay, even when they are not okay. And that is why it is okay to not be okay. I was actually on a FaceTime with my sister yesterday and my nephew, he's not two yet, but he's like 19 or 20 months or something. And he's like running and he falls. And if you, you're okay, you're okay. And so you don't know if that's a question or a statement, but children learn that when they fall, right, or bump or hit or hurt, that they're okay. And I don't think I've ever thought about that until this moment. So when you said it, I think that the minimizing of pain, the minimizing of trauma is we're conditioned very, very early. And, and another point you made about honoring it and, and going through it, moving through it. I think that that is so essential. I, I wrote something about that yesterday because so often people want to go around the problem. They want to go over the problem. And people are not as willing to pass through the trial, pass through it. So that's the experience. Um, you, I think when we spoke, I talked to you about feeling, dealing, and healing. And so that dealing, the feeling is the trauma, right? The dealing is going through the healing process, the therapy, the mindfulness, the, the medication if needed. So when you skip that portion, you go around it, you're more likely to find yourself back in that same place because you didn't pass through and experience what you needed to on that journey. And as you pass through that journey, as difficult as it may be, there will be people on the way that will meet you. There will be circumstances or situations. I think about playing Pac-Man. Growing up, we played Pac-Man. And as you played played Pac-Man, there were pellets that would get you through to the next point. And if you were intentional and timely about when you ate that pellet, you were able to get further in the game. And that's what going through is for us. It's like that pellet on Pac-Man um, or that that little thing on Donkey Kong. I don't know what the younger people would be able to relate it to, but that's how I feel. I feel like that pellet is therapy and therapy is that superpower that will get you to that place of healing, which is essential for everyone. That's so important because if we're calling it a game, this is the game of life. So it's our relationships, it's our hopes, it's our, the things that bring purpose and joy to ourselves, it's our friendships, it's our connection with the community, it's our spiritual connection. This is life. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about aiding ourselves on our journey mm -hmm. and moving through the pain so we can heal from the pain, it is essential to the well-being and the quality of our life. You know, one of the things that we were talking about is how simplistic it can feel to say we need to seek support. 
right, that we can just kind of take it for granted. We need to reach out and get support and call it a day. But the reality is that it can be hard sometimes to reach out when we need help the most. So what are some of the things that can hold us back from seeking the help and the support that we need? I think we're going to hit right back to that stigma, right? That stigma that we don't need help. For me, in the and in, thank God we're moving past this in the Black community. But there is a stigma on mental health in the Black community that has existed long before time. We can take it from there. I, for me, I always want to make sure that I am raising the voice and talking about the importance of mental health, the importance of therapy, the importance of healing. Because it's like anything. When you break a limb, the, the sports players or something, when they break something on the field, they get it put back in. They sometimes have to, they pop it right back in at that time and then they go for their physical therapy. So they experience that extreme pain of being reset and then they go through this process of healing through therapy. And it's the same thing with the mind. You have to reset that thing and then work through the process of getting help. But there's a stigma that says that if you seek counseling or if you seek therapy, then you're crazy. But if you don't, then you're crazy. So let's really look at what that is. Because if you had cancer, if you had a broken um, bone, if you had an open wound, you're not going to walk around with a busted open hole on your face. You're not. If you gashed your head, you're going to at least bandage it up. But if you don't change the bandage, you will continue to bleed or leak through and people will be able to see that. We walk around so masked because of the stigma, where if you just deal with the issue, you can take the mask off, remove the stigma, and experience the healing. So the stigma exists to prevent us from being whole. And then there's a fear of isolation. Well, if I tell Amy that I am anxious or depressed, that's too much for people to handle. If I say, hey guys, I'm not feeling myself or I'm crying every night, then what if people can't handle that? Because as people, we're so quick to judge because we don't have the time or take the time or make the time to pour into people who really need us. We say that we're there. I think we say, especially as Christians, that we will pray. But oftentimes we mix the P-R-A-Y up for the P-R-E-Y and we pray on people instead of pray for people. And therein lies another reason that people don't get help because they're afraid of what that will look like. So you have the stigma, you have fear of isolation, and then you have shame. I mean, who wants to really be like, hey guys, I got an itch, right? I got this rash right here. People always try to hide it whether it's a rash, whether it's acne, whether we put on makeup, we do everything we can to mask imperfections. And it's not just with the physical. We do it with our mental. If you're overweight, you wear Spanx until you get tired of wearing the Spanx. It's the same thing. We mask what we won't, don't want other people to see. And then there is the social status, right? So if I have this position here, then most people would think, that I shouldn't be experiencing this because I have everything that I need. But that's a lie. It doesn't matter who you are, what's your class or your status. You are not exempt from needing help. 
from getting help, from talking to someone. Your status in class doesn't keep you from a common cold, so it won't keep you from common anxiety, common grief, or common depression. And then there's no straight path to healing for some people. For some people, they may have tried therapy. They may have tried talking to someone or meditation or prayer or God or faith or yoga or anything, and they give up because there's no immediate response to what they want. But listen, healing is not a microwavable event. So you can't, it's not jiffy pop. You don't just put it in there and it comes out to be what it is. Healing takes time. So you have to position yourself for the healing that you want. There is nothing that can prevent it. You have to remove the stigma, take away the fear of isolation. Don't be saturated in shame. Don't worry about what your social status is and find your path to healing. Someone else's path, Amy's path to healing may not be Sharonda's path to healing. So find your path. And if it does not work, try something else. As women, we know we will try 50 pairs of jeans on or 50 pairs of shoes until we find what fits that makes us look good. Find a therapist that fits that makes you feel good. Find healing that fits, that will help you be good. That is so incredibly important. My parents were of a generation where everything you said about the stigma associated with getting help, it was first and foremost in their minds. And even today, after everything that we've been through, they respect the fact that I've been in therapy for a very long time and continue to be. But it's still something that they will tell you, oh, I don't need that, or that's not, you know, they really still want to keep a distance from it. But it has impacted traumatically my family, the generational traumas, the things that their parents and their parents and their parents had carried on. That was something that they, that manifested in their lives and then impacted the way that they raised us, or in some cases, honestly, didn't raise us. We kind of were just floundering our way through it in a lot of different ways. And so breaking that stigma and choosing differently for ourselves is also choosing differently for our children. It's also choosing differently for our relationships. It's also choosing differently for our community. When we show up differently, it it impacts out differently. It's really at this point, we kind of have to have that shift in our mind and in our heart to say, I don't want to carry those burdens forward. You know, when I look at my niece, I look at her and I think, I don't want to pass on anything. What can I do to heal and recover and resolve these issues at me? This stops with me. The trauma and the pain stops with me. I will not pass that on. So I I really appreciate everything that you're saying and really encouraging people to, even if it feels like there's no clear path immediately, that's okay. That's normal. A lot of people are starting out in that exploratory space, but keep exploring and find those connections and those healing people. Surround yourself with people who will pray with you and not P-R-E-Y. You know, surround yourself with the support and keep going on that journey. Don't give up because it's new and it's different or it's hard or it's painful. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. That's good. How does sharing our truth and receiving support help us, and we've talked a little bit about that, and how can it also break down stigma 
in our lives and the lives of others. What's kind of the, so we talked a lot about like, go on this journey, don't hold back. And then what's the outcome of deciding to do that? So listen, I think what you just said was simply just spot on about the parents and, you know, yeah, that's good for you, but I don't need that. And I hear that so much. We talk about silencing. I always say, shh, silence is speaking, right? It is the loudest cry ever. So we may not hear it, but if you tune in, you can feel the suffering of someone, right? And so sharing our truths. We we grew up and our parents grew up in their lineage before them. It's all the way back to the Bible. And this is what happens in this house stays in this house. And I am here to tell someone that that is simply not true. What happens in this house goes everywhere you go. It goes into every relationship, every friendship, every opportunity. It goes on vacation. It goes to the grocery store. So what happens in this house is with you always until you heal from it. And I often hear in my in my community and the community and conversations around me, people talk about generational curses. But I think what you mentioned is more of mine with what I've been feeling lately, and that's generational conditioning. And so we can talk about generational curses. We hear people talk about it. But I think that stigmas parallel with what I am now calling generational conditioning that you don't need help, that you don't have to tell anybody, that you are okay, that you don't need to share what's going on. But Dr. Robert Kellerman says something that has stood with me for the past 15 years, and that is that shared sorrow is endurable sorrow. That means to me that you do not have to go alone. You do not have to be on this journey of pain Grief, isolation, despair, rejection, humility, envy, jealousy, anxiety, depression, resentment, fear. You don't have to be on these journeys alone that you can find someone to share with. That is why I think that group support is good support because you realize that you are not alone, that you're sitting next to someone who knows an experience that may not be the same as yours. I'm very careful when I say to people, I know how you feel. Because I don't believe there's anyone in this world that I can say, I know how you feel because I don't believe I ever will. There are parallels, but we all will feel differently based on our experiences, which means we will all deal differently and we will all heal differently. But when you can share your sorrow, you can make it. It is a painful journey to go alone, but you don't have to go it alone. So you have to find your space of safety and sharing to be able to give a voice to the silence and to be able to recognize that you, again, have value regardless and you are not alone. That's so important. Our sense of self-worth and our ability to love ourselves and have self-compassion really is the bedrock of everything that all of the healing and the growth that comes after it. And so I really appreciate you bringing attention to that, you have inherent value, just really latching on to that and clinging to that when you have 
a lot of pain to go through, a lot of trauma to heal, a lot of things that have happened, things that have been said, messages from society or world. The bedrock of your healing and moving forward is being your own best friend, caring for yourself, and uh, choosing better for yourself and choosing better for your life through healing and health. Mm-hmm. How can we cultivate hope while we're working through the process of healing? And this is this is such a heavy question because I know how hard it can really be. You know, sometimes it just feels so overwhelming, like so, it, just so much. What are your thoughts? What are your words on that? What would you share with someone who's really going through it and struggling to cultivate hope? I think, and that is heavy, and I feel confident that it will be different for everyone because what cultivates hope for me may not cultivate hope for you and vice versa. And I have this visual, I have these little hearts that I will be using one day. I got them for this year and they're seeded paper. I don't know if you've heard of seeded paper before where you plant the paper um, and the paper has seeds in them and it will grow. And so it says hope on it because I believe that hope grows. And for those who may feel hopeless, it only takes a grain or a seed that you can have that someone else can nurture and that someone else can nourish. But the first thing that I would say is to surround yourself with love. And so love may not necessarily come from people. I think that we, many people have become comfortable in their discomfort. They've become immune to their dysfunction. And they don't really know what love feels like because they're looking for it from people who may not have the capacity to give it in the manner in which they think it should be received. So, for example, I may love you and show you all the ways I know how. What feels like good love to me may not be good love to you. Good love from me may look abusive to you based on your experiences. So when I say surround yourself with love, I mean things you love, things you love to do, people you love, people you know love you. It isn't just about I have this friend or this group or this parent or this family member. It's about I have a hobby. It's about I love to sing, I love to write, I love to sew, I love to cook, I love to walk, I love to share. It's about love. What is it that deep in your heart brings you unspeakable joy? It could be your faith. It could be your God. For me, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I need hope, I go to the rock because there is no other hope that I know. I can't dwell from any other place. If I need tangible hope, I go to my husband who I know has been at the rock so I can draw from him when sometimes I feel like I ain't talking to God because God, I feel his prayer, my prayers unanswered in my sight leaves me feeling a little hopeless. It's all an illusion, but in my mind, it's a reality. And so I surround myself with love, whether it's cooking, like I said, any of those things that I mentioned, and then mindfulness. I am a butterfly queen, right? I'm not talking about the insect, though I do love, or I don't even know if it's an insect, but the butterfly with wings. 
I do love butterflies, but butterfly is a calming technique that I use to calm. And so I will tap, 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 because it gives me hope. It calms my mind and it removes the racing thoughts from me. Get therapy. Talk to someone. Therapy is so underrated. I think that just like we have to get a physical annual, you should get a mental checkup, not that paper at your doctor's office. Have you been sleeping? Do you have feelings of depression? People don't even know what feelings of depression are. I don't feel right. That's what people know. People know I feel uneasy. I'm off. I'm angry. I can't sleep. I'm tired. <laughs> you sound depressed. But, but you're not going to be able to figure that out on this quick form. You're not. You need to talk so people can unveil and see what's happening. The other thing is we send our representatives so people don't even get to know something is wrong. Stop sending your representative. If you want to cultivate hope, show up being unapologetically, authentically you so that people will get to know you and you will be free because it takes so much work and energy trying to put on a facade that everything is good. So I think that, you know, when you can do those things from a therapy perspective to cultivate hope that you can have good processing, be consistent with whatever it is. If something isn't working, try something new. You don't like almond milk? Try cashew. You don't like cashew? Try oat. Don't just give up. You can't have dairy. So you just need an alternative to feel good about yourself. This is this is everything. And I that seed, I know exactly what you're talking about. The seed in the paper, and then you plant it, and then a plant grows from that. It's so it's such a thoughtful, a thoughtful gift, I guess, is a lot of times the way people receive them. But I like the analogy that it is because some of the the darkest, hardest points in my life, and I think that's what you're expressing too, all you have is a seed of hope. All you have is a seed of faith because everything around you looks hopeless and it feels hopeless. And you can't necessarily wake up and change your environment or wake up and change the circumstances. That's a journey and it's something that it has to unfold over time. So all you can really do in that moment is try to hold on and protect Mm -hmm. that seed of hope that comes to your mind that says, what if everything goes wrong? And you've got to ask yourself the flip question. What if everything goes right? What if it's okay? I can be okay. You'll have to nurture that and operate from that place and tap into that. In some points where I didn't have anything else, a hymn would come to mind and just the lyrics of a hymn. And it's self-soothing. It's the self-regulation that gets you from that place of panic, flight, into a place of ease and hope. And we just, sometimes it's really boils down to that. It's being mindful of the state of being that we're in. And that may be the only real thing that we can influence in the moment. But when you're in a place of peace and hope, it is the greatest aid in going forward to solve the challenges that face you. Mm-hmm. When you're in that place of panic and hurt and pain, it, it makes it harder, a lot harder. And the choices and the feelings that you have and the decisions that you make will be different. It's so important, like you said, to surround yourself with things that you love, with people that you love, to build that support system up, to get the therapy that you need, and to really nurture and protect Mm -hmm. 
as small as it may be, the hope and the faith that you have in your heart. Mm-hmm. Really guard that. It can sometimes be the only the difference between deciding to move forward or not, deciding to go on or not. I think that's essential. Deciding to move forward, deciding to go on. Something you said resonated with me when you said it could be a hymn or something that's healing. And I think one of the things that has happened to me, which I learned, is that I have far too often forfeited my peace. I have let my peace go for the sake of other people. I have allowed my voice to be silenced because other people felt like I shouldn't be heard. I've had someone tell me in the past that I couldn't speak on something because I wasn't a mother. That comment, I remember it. I remember almost what I was wearing, where I was standing. I will never forget that day. And in that day, it it almost was like a part of me died. What I realized through that and through a couple of other things is that I was forfeiting my peace. And as a child, I started playing the piano in 1983. Um, One of the first hymns I learned to play was What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I would play it all the time. I would sing it at church. And so if we think of 1983 and we think of maybe 2013, it took me that long to hear the lyric. And so one day I was, you know, listening. It's like, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not care everything to God in prayer. And I remember it was like something inside of me leaped for joy, just jumped out. And I heard that song for the first time. And it's just like what you referenced again with that seed and with that intention and with purposing is that how many times did I forfeit my peace because I allowed something else that someone planted. They didn't even plant it because planting takes work, right? It takes digging and cultivating and toiling, but they threw seeds of doubt and shame and fear and resentment and jealousy and guilt and and discomfort and hopelessness and helplessness and despair and grief. They threw seeds of discomfort on me. My tears watered and nurtured them. And they begin to grow as almost limbs of despair from me. When all I needed to do was take those seeds and discard them and go to the one that created me fearfully and wonderfully and give it to him to be reminded that I am enough and that I have value regardless. And so it is about being purposeful. It is about being intentional. It is about going through. It's hard, but it's not impossible. I think about how long I listen to the wrong voice. And it goes back to that generational conditioning, right? We grew up with the dumbest phrase ever. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. And I think you could beat me till the cows come. I prefer you not. But your words have power. 
life and death, the Bible says, are in the power of the tongue. And I try so much to have a tongue that is from hope to healing and not a murdering, debilitating, slandering tongue. And too often we have allowed ourselves to hear the voice of people who do not get to decide who we are. And we wear it just like itching tag on a designer outfit. You got on your best dress and it has the worst tag. You take the label out because the label is disturbing, but you keep the designer because it feels and looks so good. But we don't do that. We don't take the label out. We just continue to walk around letting it disturb and itch and make us uncomfortable because we feel for some reason it belongs there because it just came like that. You have to remove some things that make you uncomfortable so that you can move about freely. I know we're talking about pain and trauma and hope, but I feel like celebrating. Like you're the way you're talking is just brings this peace and this healing and this joy. Yes, we're facing these things and this is true. Reminder that we have choice and that we can choose to tap into God and faith and hope and healing and we can create change in our lives and we we do have that choice. Mm -hmm. It relieves the sense of burden that often comes with the pain and the trauma where it just kind of it it hurts, it hits us and it sits and it stays. Mm -hmm. And listening to you talk is just automatically starting that process of release. Mm -hmm. This points perfectly to this next part of this conversation, which is really important to us. At this point, it would be like really great timing to kind of stop, take a moment and speak directly to the person who's listening right now that is really struggling. What would you say to someone who feels all alone and overwhelmed by the idea of carrying their pain and their grief forward just for one more day? Like they're at that point where it's like one more day feels like a burden. I would say don't quit. Don't give up. Hold on. Speak up. You matter. Your voice matters. Raise your voice. You have power. Your life means everything. Loneliness is a state of mind. You can be in a room full of people and still be alone. Shift your mind. Fall and rest on things that you know are true. The same thing with your mental is what I would refer from the physical. For me growing, I was always bullied and laughed at about my nose or my appearance and people teased me. And what I had to do is I had to find one good thing that I liked about myself so that I could hold on to that when other things and people were pointing out other things. And so I love my eyes. And I would focus on that. I would focus on my eyes. When I was old enough to wear makeup, I would put on the best eyeshadow or eyeliner or mascara or whatever, because I figured if people looked at me, if they could be drawn to my eyes, then they wouldn't see my nose. They wouldn't see those things that I felt were flawed. And so I was clinging to the one thing that I love. 
And I would say that to anyone who is struggling right now, cling to something you love. If you can't think of anything, reach out to me. We can find something together that you will love. The challenge is people have been conditioned to feel like everything about them is defective. It happens in relationships. People think that bullying is just a schoolyard thing. Bullying happens in the home. There's parental bullying. There's marital bullying. There's relational bullying. There's corporate bullying. So don't be deceived by the things that people are doing or manipulated to the point that you do not matter because you do matter. You have value regardless. You are not exempt. I am not exempt from suffering or struggling or shame or fear or depression or anxiety or grief or despair. I'm not exempt and you are not exempt. But there is a road toward healing. There is a way out. There is an answer. There is a relief plan for healing. I love that. There is a relief plan for healing. And you are not exempt. Your pain and your thoughts and your feel your feelings are very valid. Mm-hmm. There is hope and healing for you. There is relief for you. Mm-hmm. In closing, is there a final thought that you would like to share with our listeners? What are some closing thoughts that you would want to leave with people? I think I would be remiss if I didn't point out this one thing. As a Christian, when it comes to a stigma or that infertility check or just who I am at the core, growing up in the church, I think the church has marginalized believers to the point that they feel that they are defective when they bring up some point of mental health, some point of anxiety, depression. Listen. Read your Bible and know it for yourself. You just read the Psalms and you listen. If you ever feel like you are alone in your suffering, in your struggle, in your despair, in your grief, you read the Psalms because David certainly sound. I know I sound a lot like David. God, where are you? How long, oh God? Where are you, oh God? Why are you cast down? I'm calling on you, Lord. I feel like you have got to keep going, keep pressing. And the reason I felt the need to point out this population in particular is because I know that so many Christians fail to get help because they have been told to just pray about it. Now, do not get me wrong. I am saved and I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I know the power of prayer. I also know that there are some things that happen in the brain. There are some chemical imbalances. There are some things that trauma does and that healing is necessary. And I think that you can have Christ and a clinician, that you can have the church and you can have the couch, that you can have an integrated faith and mental health plan. But please, I implore you not to give up on your mental health because of your faith, that you can reach out and that you can know that there is a beginning. I'm not going to say that there's an end, right? Because the beginning is where your healing transitions your pain to your promise, to your purpose, to your plan. 
So don't give up. Stand firm and believe. And it is so important, specifically too, for infertility. I have to say this. For me, when it came down to infertility, the reason I did not speak for 13 years is because I was angry at God. Not the whole 13 years, but in seasons. Oh, yes, I was. Because the very thing that I felt like I was created to do, I could not do. And the church didn't talk about it. We talked about being barren and we talked about God opening up the wounds of people. I'm not Hannah. I'm not Sarah. I'm not Rebecca. He did not do that for me. And I think it's important to realize that that does not mean I don't matter. It doesn't mean that I'm nothing to God. It does mean that I still have value regardless, that I am not exempt, that I am not alone, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and that God loves me with an everlasting love. So whether your trauma, whether your suffering is infertility, whether it's grief, whether it's anxiety, whether it's singleness, whether it's fear, whether it's rape, whether it's abandonment, whether it's depression, whether it's regret, whether it's isolation or despair, it does not matter what it is. There is hope. There is help to overcome powerful emotions and hope is available to you. I feel so inspired and so hopeful. And I know so many other people do too. So I think that the natural question that would have, and I am sure other people have, how can we stay connected to you? What would you say to people who are looking for support? What do you... I know you were an author and you were a speaker and you were a therapist. Speak to us a little bit about that so that we can visualize how we would stay connected with you and ways that we can receive support. You can connect with me on social media. So Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, all of them would be Sharonda Ford. I have a website, SharondaFord.com. So www.SharondaFord.com. And any links to all of those things would be there. So you can find the podcast there, therapy services, coaching services, social media links, all of those things can be found on the website. And if that doesn't work, I can be emailed or text or call because everyone does not do social media. And then there's YouTube. But any of those links would be available through the website. Okay, we're going to make those available in the show notes for this episode too. So it's super easy for people to just click and connect with you. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to listen to you, to hear your words, to let them soak into my being and to let them carry forward and vibrate out as I go about my day and as I go about this journey of life. I'm so glad that we're connected and that we will be staying connected. I want to thank you for a deep and meaningful conversation and for sharing how we can take steps towards healing and hope and a better path forward. We appreciate you and we look forward to staying connected. Thank you, Amy. It was my pleasure. Such a joy to have this conversation with you today. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.